Ciao, and welcome to this edition of Wine Splaining DTSP. This is Heidi, and today we're going to do an overview of one of the most important regions of Italy, Piedmont, or as they call it, Piemonte. So Piedmont is situated in northwest Italy, just north of Tuscany. Piedmont means foot of the mountains in Italian, and so it's very appropriate that it is located on the foothills of the Alps. Now, Piedmont is a very gastronomic place. They are known for some of the most world-class restaurants, cafes. They have a lot of rich, creamy dishes. Truffles are grown there, hazelnuts are grown there. So you know that there's a lot of Nutella. There's a lot of mushrooms, risotto, and their wines reflect this cuisine. Piedmont is a place that has a lot of diversity in its wine. There's a lot of indigenous grapes that don't do very well anywhere but there. And it's also some of the best reds of the world, as well as a lot of interesting whites. They have the sixth highest production in volume for all of Italy. And Piedmont is on the same parallel as Bordeaux, France, but their similarities end with the fact that they both make ageable wines that are pretty pricey. Now, Piedmont is more Burgundian than Bordelais in the way of winemaking. Burgundy producers use only one grape to make their famous Pinot Noir, and likewise, the Piedmontese use only 100% of the Nebbiolo grape for their world-class reds Barolo and Barbaresco, which we'll get into in a little bit. Neither region is into blending grapes like they do in Bordeaux and Piedmont's neighbor Tuscany, and they both also classify their best wines in the vineyards in which they grow. So let's talk about the climate and the terroir of Piedmont because it is a big proponent on why there is such a diversity of grapes. Um, there's a lot of different soils there. There's a lot of different microclimates. Um, as far as the weather goes, there's two major um, things that affect what's going on. You've got the ice-cold Alps and the warm Mediterranean. So there's kind of a tug of war in temperature, which we also call a diurnal shift, which is just basically the difference between the day and night temperatures. Then you have fog. And it's believed that the Nebbiolo grape is named after the fog, which in Italian is Nebbia. So the temperature variation makes the whole area fill up with morning fog that slowly burns off during the day. So this means that the land that's higher up on those hills is gonna get more sun, and more sun equals happy grapes equals good wine. Now, there is good wine to be found on the foothill of the Alps. Um, this area is much cooler, so expect to find much lighter tasting, higher acid wines. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Piedmont is sixth in terms of production size out of Italy's 20 major wine growing areas. It's known for quality. And when it comes to quality in wine in Italy, there's four levels. And the top two levels, um, second to top, is the DOC, which is the Denominazione di Origine Controllata, and the DOCG, which is the highest, and that is the Denominazione di Origine Controllata e Garantita. And uh, the Piedmont has more DOCG wines than any other region in Italy. Now what this means as a consumer is if you're out there and you're willing to spend a little more coin on a bottle of wine, overall quality per price point is slightly higher in Piedmont and a lot of people say more than Bordeaux. 
Um, so you have a good chance of getting a great bottle of wine if you're willing to spend a little more, and that is because the quality is so tightly controlled. So when we're talking about the wines of Piedmont, even though they are diverse, there's really only two categories that you can put them in. And um, I heard, I've heard Elizabeth from Wines from Normal People, a podcast that we all love. She explains it this way, but I've also heard it from a couple different sources and it really is the only way to put this. But there's thinking wines and there's drinking wines. So as far as thinking wines, they're more complex. They're not your Tuesday night wines, they're bold. Um, the people in Piedmont don't drink them every day. They save them for a special occasion. They're, they've got ageability and they're made from the grape called Nebbiolo. So our first thinkable wine is of course Barolo. And Barolo is made from 100% of the Nebbiolo grape and it's known as the king of wine and the wine of kings. This is a very masculine wine that's high in tannin, high in alcohol, high in acidity. Um, and it is aged for three years before release. And speaking of age, you, do, you probably don't want to open a bottle of Barolo before it's 10 years old. This is definitely one of those wines that you can buy for your children or one of your grandchildren and give it to them when they're 21, which they can at that point either drink or sit on it for another 20 years. So what is it like to experience a Barolo? I recently saw this and I think it's fabulous because I was one in the former life, but it's like getting kicked in the face by a ballerina. Nebbiolo has the exact same kind of elegant brutality. <laughs> so your glass of Barolo is going to look pretty delicate. It's going to be a pale garnet color. Um, it's a thin skinned grape, so there's not going to be a lot of concentration on the nose. You're going to get some uh, red fruit character, cherries, raspberries, some rose petals, tar, potpourri, then bam, once it's on the palate, that ballerina just did a grand jeté off the stage and you're left with some rigid tannins, mouth-watering acidity, and a wine that's so complex that it's gonna force you to think, what just happened? There are different styles of Barolo based on the commune that they're grown in, um, and that really comes down to the soil type which is limestone versus sandstone. So two communes to remember that are lighter in style are Lamora and Barolo, which are limestone-based soils. And then the communes of Monforte d'Alba and Castelloni Faletto are usually bolder and they have sandstone soils. So let's talk about our second thinking wine from Piedmont, and that is called Barbaresco. Barbaresco is also made 100% of the Nebbiola grape, and it is known as the queen. So Barolo is known as the king, and Barbaresco is the queen. Barbaresco is a little bit different than Barolo, and it's a little bit more elegant, it's a little bit more feminine, and it's located about 10 miles northeast of Barolo. So even though Barbaresco is only 10 miles away from Barolo, there are two main differences. The soils in Barbaresco are mostly limestone-based soils, which means Barbaresco is going to have less tannins. Also, the climate in Barbaresco has less of a diurnal shift, so that's going to produce grapes that ripen sooner but have thinner skins. So Barbaresco tends to have less tannin, less color, and less phenolics, which just is a, an aroma compound that causes a little bit of bitterness in the wine. As far as price point, 
Um, Barbarescos are a little bit cheaper than Barolo. You can find a decent Barbaresco for about 40 bucks. Uh, Barolos, to find a quality Barolo, you are probably going to spend about 60. Barbarescos are also more consistent than Barolo because they don't have all those communes. Uh, you don't have to seek out the specific area because Barbarescos are pretty much just um, limestone-based soils. Now that we've covered the major thinking wines of Piedmont, let's move on to the drinking ones. Now, Nebbiolo, talking about Barolo and Barbaresco, those are ageable wines. They've got to sit for a while, so the people of Piedmont need something to drink in the meantime. So enter Barbera. So Barbera is a grape, it's the most widely planted in Piedmont, and it's called Barbera d'Alba. So Alba is the place. Anytime you see a D apostrophe in an Italian wine label or name, it means the grape of the place. So Barbera does not take a long time to age. Um, it is meant to drink young. It can be hit or miss. It's a low tannin wine. Um, it's got a lot of red cherry, earthy, menthol qualities. It's got a lot of acidity. Um, it goes great with tomato sauce and cream dishes. It can go with anything. It's versatile. It's laid back. This is the red wine that's filling their glasses most of the time. This is just your I want to socialize, hang out with my friends on a Tuesday night and not think about anything kind of wine. The next drinking wine that they have in Piedmont that's of the red variety is Dolcetto, which means little sweet one. But it is neither sweet nor little. This is a very much lower acid grape than Barbera. It's designed to be drunk within the first three to five years of its life. It's high in tannin. It's very dark in color, and it's got characteristics of blackberry, licorice, and tar. Um, they don't age well because of the low acidity, but they've got plenty of tannins. And it goes great with grilled meat or grilled vegetables. It can have some bitterness, and there are lots of bargains to find when it comes to Dolcetto. Switching gears to some drinkable whites, we have Arnais from the Rorero DOCG in Piedmont. Now Arnais is a floral and beautiful wine, but it can be a pain to grow. Arnais means little rascal in Italian. It's known to be high maintenance. It can be low in acid, oxidize quite quickly, which you really don't want for a white wine. But if it's grown in the right area and the right conditions, it can be extremely aromatic with notes of stone fruit, white flowers. Um, if you like white Bordeaux or Sauvignon Blanc, you will like Arnais and you can find a great one for about 25 bucks. Next, we have the most famous dry white wine of Piedmont, which is called Gavi. And Gavi is the name of the town in the southeast part of Piedmont. It is made from the Cortese grape. Um, just like Barolo and Barbaresco, this wine is named after the place. Cortese is the grape, Gavi is the place. It's usually can be found Gavi de Gavi, which is Gavi of Gavi, even though it's the Cortese grape. Italy is just so much fun when it comes to wine labels. Uh, anyway, Gavi is a very dry style. It's known for its lemon-lime citrus flavors, its tin tingly acidity. Um, if you like Pinot Grigio, if you like Chablis, you probably will really enjoy Gavi. 
Um, my mom loves uh, a Macon Village Chardonnay, an oak Chardonnay, and she also loves Gavi. So if you like any of these other examples, I would definitely say go out and get yourself some Gavi. Lastly, I want to talk about a really fun sweet sparkler from Piedmont, which is called Moscato Dosti. And Moscato Dosti, I'm sure Moscato is, has been very trendy here in the U.S. the past couple years, but Moscato Dosti actually comes from the Moscato Bianco grape. This grape is a thousand years old or older. It's older than Cabernet Sauvignon. Moscato Dosti means you guessed it, Moscato of Osti, which is another region in Piedmont. Um, they produce several different Moscato-based wines that are all worth checking out. Um, two major ones are called uh, Moscato d'Asti, which is made in a frizzante style, which means half sparkling. And then you have Osti Spumanti, which means full sparkling. So these wines are easy to drink. They're low in alcohol. You're looking at a, probably about a five to nine percent alcohol level. They're great dessert wines. They're a lot of fun and they're really delicious. Well, I hope you enjoyed my little overview of Piedmont or Piemonte. As you can see, you can drink and eat your way through the region. And there's so many different styles from bold, age-worthy, world-class reds to delicate, sweet, fizzy wines of Moscato d'Asti. Um, it's one of the most acclaimed wine-growing regions in Italy and I would say in the world. So I'm ready to go. Who's with me? Thank you for listening and make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all under Winesplaining DTSP. Thank you so much and salute!